Hi, I'm George Tekmanchev, back for Easton Podcast number 94. Welcome, friends. We're going to talk today about a couple of things that are big on the archery calendar. One of them, World Field. We'll be talking to Bruce Cull from the NFAA Foundation about that situation. And then we'll talk to USA Archery CEO Rod Menzer when we cover a whole lot of items, including National Target and where things are headed with the National Field Championships. That's all coming up right now on the Easton Target Podcast. Well, here is Bruce Call, the busiest man in archery here for the Easton Target Archery Podcast. Thanks, Bruce, for being our guest once again. There's a lot going on and there's a lot to talk about today and uh, no no better place than to get it right from the source. You're right on the field range, aren't you? I, I hear the birds. <laughs> yep, I'm uh, sitting right out on our field ranges, um, just enjoying a beautiful morning. Well, you can hear it in the background there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So tough news um, to start with, and that is that the World Field Championship has been postponed until uh, 2022. Give us the lowdown. Yeah, you know, it was um, it was a tough decision. Um, World Archery and, and ourselves worked together on, you know, coming up with something that would be mutually agreed upon and equitable, I think, for everybody. And, um, you know, we, we tried to look at every aspect, and I think the biggest deciding factor was real simply that, you know, it, it averages 40 countries. And right now, our U.S. embassies um, aren't even open, um, which pretty much puts a kibosh, a stop to the possibility of visas. Um, you know, a lot of countries require a visa, or a lot of countries have to get a visa that's required to come into the U.S., and they don't even have the ability to do that process. So that was one of the big deciding factors. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, you know, not to mention the fact that plane schedules and everything else that we've talked about previously are still in flux. Yeah, there's so much stuff that's just in limbo right now that, um, you know, I think it's probably a good decision. Um, you know, we'll be hosting it in, in 2022, and that'll be good. So, um, you know, we're excited about doing it then. Yeah. Now you've got um, a number of things that are still going to go on, the biggest one of which is that you're still on track for the World Archery Championship, the Target Archery Championship, which is also going to be held in Yankton, and that will be in 2021, next year. Yes, yep, that's correct. That's the same time, actually. It's in September. Um, I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but it's middle of September, and, um, you know, we've really been looking forward to that, to utilize our our Eastern and First Dakota fields that, you know, we're really proud of here. And, you know, having the largest archery center in the world uh, just kind of is a natural fit for us. So we've been excited. And, you know, the, the latest news we just got on top of that is that um, World Archery gave us, uh, awarded us the uh, World Congress, which will be the three days preceding the World Championship. So it's going to be uh, a big archery time in the U.S. and in Yankton, South Dakota next September. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, and, and having the Congress is not a small deal. In fact, it's uh, it's arguably a, a showcase event by itself because you have representatives, uh, several representatives from every archery country uh, that can send someone. You know, you could have 150 yeah. countries participating uh, or more. And yeah, it's a it's a really big deal. I mean, I've been fortunate to attend several of them, and uh, you know, all over the world. There, uh, you're right. It, it is a showcase. It's an event of itself, and it's actually independently, you know, bid and run. It's it's just like running a tournament. In fact, it may be um, 
it may be more complicated in a lot of respects. But, um, yeah, we really look forward to that, you know, utilizing our our center and, and being able to, uh, you know, showcase everything that we have in the United States and here in Yankton. Um, we're excited. Very excited. Yeah, Congress is a big deal because it is what decides every two years the the focus for rule changes, the focus for new initiatives, all of the stuff that goes with uh, running archery uh, in in the world is down to Congress. And of course, you know, in the last few years, the executive committee of World Archery has taken on some of that with the able being able to make more or less some snap decisions that used to be, you know, something that was a four-year process. Uh, decisions like, for example, um, changing targets or improving rounds to uh, take care of issues and. Uh, but still, Congress is the showcase for everything in our sport from, you know, where we are with the Olympic Games, you know, in terms of our status with the Olympic Games and maintaining that to little rule changes that affect, you know, things like uh, adding the six ring to the to the uh, field round, things along those lines. So, yeah, there's, absolutely. A, there's you know, a great deal. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be an exciting event. Um I think people are excited. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the archery world have heard of Yankton. Uh, a lot of them haven't been here. Um, and I think they're going to, you know, really enjoy it. I think the um, the low-key, laid-back atmosphere uh, with all the beauty we have of the Lewis and Clark Lake and River area, just being able to see the Midwest of South, you know, South Dakota and the U.S. is going to be a... A real eye-opener, I think, for a lot of the countries. I think they're excited about it. You know, I noticed something, and that is, you know, in, in the many, many events that both of us have participated in, smaller towns tend to really, uh, as they say, put the dog out in a big way yes. when it comes to an event like ours. Uh, I remember one time I had a I shot the U.S. Olympic Festival, which is our national sports festival, in Los Angeles. And yeah. nobody knew about it. It was, yeah. you know... Whereas when it was in St. Louis, it was a huge event for St. Louis. So scaling events appropriate to the venue and to the host city can be important from the standpoint of both getting volunteers and getting the kind of support that you want from the local government, things along those lines. And a lot of people go, well, it's Yankton, you know, it's, it's kind of out of the way. It's a little tough to get to, but... In reality, it's actually not that bad to get to. You you can get there within an hour's flight from major airports in the United States and then another maybe hour drive or less and you're there. And once you're there, I hate to put it this way, but you're kind of the big dog in the room because, you know, when archery events come to Yankton, they get treated really well. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's been a big thing from kind of the, the vision I had at the start. I mean... You know, the back when we bid the first tournament, the Youth World Championship, um, you know, a lot of the archery world was like exactly what you said. Wait a minute, Yankton, where's that? How do we get there? Can we get there? Is it safe? Um, and, of course, it you know, the, the selling point we had was pretty much all of those things in reverse. I mean, when you consider safety... Um, yeah, it might, I mean, it might very well be... Place. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it's, it's kind of off the beaten track for the kind of problems we've been seeing lately. Yeah, exactly. And yet, you know, like you mentioned too, you've been here several times. A lot of people, I think, uh, you know, domestically, they take it for granted. Um, but, you know, we're, we've got three semi, you know, what I call B airports, um, Omaha, Sioux Falls, and Sioux City, are all, you know, an hour drive or less. And, you know, you can, um, 
that's something a lot of cities don't have, you know? Right. Um, I, I don't want to pick on any big cities, but there's some cities over a million people that have one airport. Well, that can be problematic when you're dealing with an event like this, um, which is very interesting because the ability to fly into three different ones is a huge thing, I think. It's a big advantage we have. Um, and, of course, we talk about everything in travel in minutes, not miles. You know, in something 60 miles, it's less than an hour. Um, <laughs> you know, our speed limits are 80 miles an hour, and there's not a lot of traffic. So, yeah, it's it's got a lot of good assets. Um, you know, and then, like you said, the people, volunteers, uh, you know, when you go to a big city, you know, a, a Mexico city or something, 20-some million people, archery is just lost in the shuffle. When you come here, you know, you're... You're, you're right in the limelight. Everybody knows what's going on and enjoys it. Um, they really lay out the red carpet for everybody. Yeah, I, I noticed the locals in Yankton are super friendly people and really um, happy to see archers when they come to town. It's a very archery-friendly kind of place, and I think that's one obvious reason why the world's largest archery center is located there. Personally, I found that flying into Omaha was really convenient because you can get a connection to Omaha from almost every major airport in the United States. So if, as long as you get to the States, you know, say Chicago or New York or whatever, you can get a flight to Omaha and then an hour down the road, you're in Yankton, which is, yeah. you know, for me, I found and, that to be really good. And one of the really good things we have too, the Europe connection through Minneapolis, um, you know, from Minneapolis, you can fly to Omaha, Sioux City, or Sioux Falls. And, you know, Sioux Falls is a great one because it's less than an hour drive. And, um, you know, you can you can come from a major hub in Europe um, to Minneapolis, a major hub in the U.S., and be in Yankton in two hours, you know. so Yeah, and historically, yeah, there have been lots of direct flights from Asia to Minneapolis as well. For example, there I, I don't know if it's still the case right this minute as we speak, but I'm sure it'll be restored sooner or later. Flights directly from Japan Flights directly oh, yeah. from, uh, I believe, Taiwan also has direct flights, things along those lines. Yep. So it makes it very easy because it's basically one connection. You get to Minneapolis, you get on another plane, yep. and an hour later, you're, you know, two hours later, you're in Yankton. That's right. Yeah, so, no, it works out really well. Yeah. Bruce, you've got some other news about the uh, NFAA Indoor. Um, yeah, you know, we're working, um, and we've talked about it on a previous podcast, but we're working uh, very, very diligently right now to to still make every effort to host our national indoor, which was the first tournament, I think, in the whole country that had to get canceled. Um, you know, at the, at the time of that, it was only a couple of weeks before when the whole COVID hit. Yeah, I'm pretty and, sure you're um, absolutely right about that. That was the first yeah. major event that got, uh, that kind of got uh, sidelined. And then right after yeah. that, some of the WA events. Yeah, I mean, we were March 17th, I think, was the date we were going to have that. You know, we had 2,000 people registered. Um, so what we're really trying to do is, um, you know, provide a value to all the archers. The one thing that, you know, in our, in our history of, of being, you know, 80-some years old, founded in 1939, we've had a national championship every year since it was started. And um, we don't really want to cancel it. So, um, you know, our executive board, our council, we talked about it and said, let's see if we can try to have some type of a virtual tournament, you know, a remote tournament. And what we're working on right now are just the details of that, but we're, we're contacting all of our NFA clubs and pro shops throughout the country. And we're finding out who has the ability to, you know, host an indoor, uh, for just a few people. Um, in other words, I'm going to use hypotheticals here, but, you know, say we have 50 clubs that would want to do this across the country. 
you know, say one in every state or two in every state, a hundred, it really is kind of irrelevant, but we just want to set up some basic rules so that the tournament's credible. You know, they have to shoot with so many people. The, the range will get a cut of the action, you know, we'll lower our price because it won't be an in-person tournament, but we'll let them shoot, you know, their rounds and determine the championships that way. And, um, you know, I, I think it's got some real potential and, you know, we're going to try to do a little bit with, you know, some online, you know, televising of it. Um, and then I think adding the big part will be is sometime in September, we'd like to bring all the pros, you know, to our headquarters here in Yankton to have them shoot, um, you know, the regular head to head and maybe even the top so many of the amateur divisions, you know, we're just, we're working all those details out, but um, so that would be great. Uh, you know, the potential, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, you know, if you can stand up there with a Levi or with a, uh, you know, uh, Chris, uh, you know, any of these people who are top shooters and you can shoot side by side with those people, you get the experience that you get in places like Vegas and other big NFAA events that can provide for the same kind of uh, feeling. So if you qualify locally, potentially, right? This is what we're talking about right now because yes. it's still in the, yep. in the works. Potentially, you could find yourself invited to go to Yankton by participating in the local tournament, finishing high enough, you could end up going to Yankton and shooting uh, for, you know, for the for all the marbles. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it's, a, just, it's a great concept. It's got, you know, it's got some real potential and we're excited about it. You know, time frame, we're hoping we could maybe do something and, you know, like start the virtual part of it in, you know, middle of July and have it run for a month or a month and a half. Let everybody shoot. Um, yeah, you know, not, not too different than the way the USA Archery runs their indoor, right? I mean, it's it's all location-based. Yeah. Yep, I mean, it would be no different than, you know, similar to a male match or having multiple locations. Um, but with a little you know, more fixed always... rules, a little more uh, credibility, yes. shall we say. Forgive me for using yeah. that term, but uh, if you have, no, for example, you have a judge, be, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, we don't want it to be a free-for-all. Um, we don't want to have, you know, the credibility loss, but yet by the same time, we'd like to service all our members. You know, um, I think this is one great way to do it. Um, Absolutely. And, and there's, a, there's a real potential that if we do that, you know, we're going to put a survey out, but a lot of the archers just through, co you know, correspondence through emails have said, you know, the, the other tournament we had to cancel was our classic, um, which is the indoors, you know, 40, 50, and 60 yard. And there's a real potential we could have that the same time period, you know, extend the extended from maybe a two day to a three day or something. And, um, you know, the, the good thing is we would be able to service our professional members, you know, cause the classics kind of a, a money shoot and the amateur end of it also, but, you know, kind of having both those in one. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe even three, we've got another tournament out there. So, I mean, you know, if September looks like things are really getting better with our, pandemic and um you know it's doable uh we're, we're gonna weigh all that out you know that's an interesting thought because um let's face it everybody is is raring to go and they got nowhere to go <laughs> is the problem right yeah. now so yep. if you set up a, a deal where you've got two or three events in one you can knock off major stuff it gives people a reason to practice and get ready and you can find yourself um, really kickstarting our sport once again when things are in a position to resume. So that's yeah. that's you know, really good a, thinking. 
Yes, it's a it's a lot of thought. I mean, um, there's a, there's a lot of it that's kind of scary with this pandemic. But um, you know, we're noticing around here that uh, you know things are just they never were bad. And you know, the, the no. What the did you have in South Dakota? You had like sixty, you know, cases. And of course, uh, we, we you know every one of those people is important. But the reality is, the numbers in your region are very low. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the remote states have been like that. And um, you know, we just keep hoping and praying that things get better and we're able to do some of this because I think it's got some great potential. Yeah, and of course that applies to the big picture of society, not just our sports. So, you know, there's there's every reason to uh, be cautious, yeah. but at the same time hope that we can uh, get back to some form of normalcy. Japan just opened back up again. A friend of mine last night texted me and told me that uh, the new normal, right, which is kind yeah. of the old normal there because everybody in Japan wears a mask anyway when there's flu season or when there's uh right you know pollen season whatever because uh you know uh, so it's kind of become the global normal now i guess well you know the one silver lining too um i don't really want to get into politics but all the riots that we've been having across the country um it's real evident people can watch tv and see thousands and thousands of people shoulder to shoulder um and you know if we don't have any hot spots and breakouts after that that's kind of a testing ground right there for if it's going to go. Um, yeah, I, I hope uh, that that doesn't exacerbate the situation. Clearly, people are upset and feel the need to get out there. But yep. at the same time, it really is not the greatest idea in times like these. So No, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, awesome. Bruce, that's, that's terrific news that we may have ourselves uh, potentially a series of events to look forward to this fall if everything falls into place. And you guys are doing a great job staying ahead of, you know, opportunity, I think, and trying to create opportunities out of, out of difficulty like you've been doing. And, uh, I think everybody, if I speak for everybody, I think we appreciate the hard work of the NFA executive board and yourself and, uh, NFA foundation. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on and we'll hope archery gets back to somewhat normal. And now we're on the line with the CEO of USA Archery, Rod Menzer. Once again, Rod, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, George. So, Rod, um, some developments related to what I just spoke with Bruce Cull about, which is the postponement of the world field until 2022. Obviously, that will affect the plans for USA Archery's field championship as well as the yes. trials portion. So tell us about yeah. what, what how that affects things. Sure. So with, with that cancellation, um, and again, because of the, the dates and stuff, it, we've decided to go ahead and cancel our uh, world, or excuse me, our national field for this year and the trials. With the, the next field being 2022, and then of course the World Games being uh, pushed off, um, we, we've got time to, to reschedule our trials, you know, either next year or the following year. Um, and then it just didn't make sense and with so much limited travel for a lot of folks. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult and there's still a lot of States where if they say, if you, you know, if you've been gone and you come back, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So, you know, we're just not far enough long that we felt it would be best. Um, you know, because most people are going to have to fly to that event. Uh, and it just it just was one of those things where we felt that it was probably best to just go ahead and, and cancel it for the year, and which which sucks. I mean, field is my favorite. I mean, I love field. Well, obviously. you are a world field champion after all. <laughs> you know, I, I just I just 
love everything about it and it's just uh it's such a great event and it, it pains to have to cancel it but i think it's the right thing to do and to you know yeah that's what we ended up having to do we didn't get into this with bruce but um you know the world field uh, yeah. is the primary qualifier for the World Games in Birmingham. Now, that Correct. event was originally scheduled for 2021, but after the yep. delay to the Tokyo Olympics to 2021, the World Games was moved to 2022. So the timing right. for this is is going to get interesting because our world field will also be in 2022. Correct. So, so I did, you know, World Archery in their announcement yesterday did say that uh, they were going to be determining you know or you know creating basically a qualification tournament for the remaining spots you know how do you literally qualify uh to participate in the world games so there's going to be a i would assume a standalone event or some event that they're going to have that they're going to deem as the qualifier for slots so we'll probably have to you know make sure we've got people attending that event so we can earn our slots Right. I mean, with the with the World Games being in in the United States, um, we do have some slots that are guaranteed us, uh, but there are as many the host others country, that right? we yeah. yes, exactly as the host country. But there's many others that we could earn, and we want we want every slot possible, obviously. Right. So I I, I get that. You know, I, I earned us a yep, slot so back in before. <laughs> Yeah, so basically to be determined um, on how some of this stuff's going, which is kind of what we've had this whole year, right? Everything is to be determined and trying to figure it out and adjust and be nimble. Um, that's all well, we can do. That's kind of the buzzword for the day right now with everything. <laughs> yes. And and yes. one of those things is, um, you know, making some decisions that are that are difficult but uh, necessary. And, and I guess yeah. one of those is Joad Nationals. It was, yeah. So, you know, Joanne Nationals was one where, um, obviously, you know, being held when it was originally scheduled um, in uh, early July uh, in Alabama. While Alabama is opening up, it still was going to be looking at maybe just uh, phase two at that point in time. And then again, with all the travel and so many, so many clubs were closed and people weren't able to train and. And, you know, you, you look at it all, um, it, it just, again, the timing of it, if, if we could hold it a little later. And we, we actually put out a survey and asked the membership, you know, hey, which do you want? Do you want to hold it now? And would you attend or would you want to see it postponed? And then if you did, would you attend? And looking at those survey, survey results and then, of course, one of our, our it became obvious and the board, you know, looked at this too and, you know, made the decision to not hold the event in um, early July. So then we looked at other dates um, and tried to find, you know, including the date that we had put in the survey. And we worked with our organizer and what dates were available and what didn't conflict with something else. And then probably the biggest piece was also looking at school. You know, there's so many kids that have missed a lot of school and to potentially hold an event that during the very beginning of the school year, uh, was, you know, to have kids literally miss another week of school just didn't seem like the right thing to do. You know, they're, they they need to be in school right now, quite honestly. And, and you know, a lot of schools, uh, they start in, you know, August, for example, in Arizona. Um, you know, there's other school districts that are looking to start early. You know, so there's just so much there that, that 
with the dates that we were able to find, which literally was, you know, the only right time is lost you there for a second, Rod, please repeat the last sentence. I'm sorry. Sure. Sure. No problem. The, you know, one date that we had that was viable for the Joanne nationals was September 10th through the 13th. And again, that just didn't seem, it's just not the right timing for school. And we could see that in the survey. Um, there was a lot of people that just felt that, yeah, it'd be great to postpone it and to be there, but they wouldn't be able to attend. And, you know, cause pretty much at that time, every school is in session. And in most cases, they're within the first month of the school starting. And again, I, I just think with all the school being missed, it was the wrong thing to do is to, to ask kids to take another week off. Um, so unfortunately, um, we made the you know decision to just go ahead and, and make the final decision, and that is to cancel it. So it, again, unfortunate. And it is something that I, I love Joad Nationals. Um, you know, I mean, we it's a large event for us. There's a ton of kids. They work really hard to be there. Um, but again, we just had to look at everything um, involved, you know, from safety to can you hold an event that's, uh, representative of what it's supposed to be you know can, can people prepare you know um for it and and if they're not ready and they're they're not in shape um you know kids could get hurt right because um, they push themselves too hard and and it's just you know there's so many variables and we looked at it all and again make that decision well you know here's the problem you're you're stuck in a situation where whatever decision you make some people are not going to be happy and, and that is a fact. And yes. that's true for so many things that are going on <laughs> yeah. right now, but that's certainly one yeah. of them. Yes. So, yes. yeah. On the positive yep. side, though, it uh, looks yeah. like we've still got a few things that are um, in play, and that includes Absolutely. national yeah. target. Our exactly. Our first um, big event is going to be the national target championships right now. It's still planned in Richmond, Virginia, August 12th through the 15th. And again, being... Um, you know, that's another month uh, beyond where the Joad was. So, you know, I think by that point in time, hopefully we'll we'll be able to really hold a good event. Now, in the very beginning here, we're planning worst case scenarios. And that is if Virginia is only in phase two, they may only allow 50 people per field. Now, we shoot on three separate fields. So that'd be 150 people in the morning, 150 people in the, in the evening. Um, so we could have 300 people um, this year with everything going on. I think that that the numbers would probably, you know, will probably work and everybody who wants to attend is going to be able to attend um, because I think a lot of people, whether, you know, job related or what have you, they're, they're just not going to be able to make it this year. But, um, you know, we we have put limits on it, some conditions around it. And that is we've asked, you know, no spectators on the field um, because it priority goes to the athletes. Um, and, um, we have made it so, you know, unfortunately this year, um, international shooters cannot come and participate, uh, because again, with it being limited, we wanted to make sure that anybody who is vying for a U.S. archery team or, or to make a world cup team or whatever, that they have the opportunity to participate. Um, so priority went to, um, you know, U.S. citizens, um, at this point in time or, or those who have, um, you mean like every other country in the world except ours? Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. So, so we've had to do some of those. 
Um, we're hoping, though, that everything continues to improve by that time and they'll get into phase three where there's no restrictions. And then any, if we have people on a waiting list, they'll automatically be able to, to be put in. And then, of course, um, spectators could um, come and all that kind of stuff. So, again, we've had to put in limits just to make it so that the athletes are, are first and foremost. But um, we're hoping that everything will open up. And, and, again, we're following it real close. I mean, there's always a possibility um, if it, if Virginia doesn't seem to really be a state that's going to make this work, that we would – during that same week or weekend that we would hold it somewhere else. I mean, it's always a possibility. We, there, there could be, you know, um, other States, you know, Utah being one with an Easton center there that could do something quickly. And, and the same thing with uh, Florida, you know, if other States are more open and, you know, South Dakota, I know I've talked with Bruce and, and if, if one way or the other, we're going to hold the NTC in August, um, you know, but, and right now, it looks like Virginia is going to be just fine, and we'll we'll make that one happen, and it'll be a really good event. I know they've been a really good organization to work with um, there locally, and um, they're doing everything they can to try and you know make sure that we have a good viable event. Great. So you know the the sixty day policy that you implemented earlier in the year, which was that you would announce events sixty mm-hmm. days in advance. Does that still apply in this case? Will we yeah. know before then? <laughs> Um, we're, we're always trying, you know, you, excuse me, world archery gave their six, you know, 60 day guarantee. Like we're not going to tell you we're having an event, you know, that's uh, under the 60 days. We're doing everything we can to always give people 60 days if we can. Um, and, but, but let's face it, you might, you might have 40 yes, days, for example. And yeah, absolutely. It, it could, it could be something where we got to do something a little quicker. Um, you know, our advice and the communication that we put out for people is to, you know, don't prepay, you know, your, your hotel or your car or, you know, don't, don't prepay those things, you know, just make your reservation and hold it with a credit card. And I'm, and just in case something's changed, because if there's no, um, you know, we don't want people to get stuck. Yeah. And spend the 12 Um, bucks on the travel insurance on your tickets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not? That would, it would make the best sense uh, to do that. But again, right now, Everything is good for Richmond, but, you know, and then two weeks after that is Buckeye um, in Ohio, August 28th through the 30th. Um, and that's an event that everybody really, really likes. The, the organizers there, they, they do ace archers. They do a great job. Um, and so, you know, that'll be, those are the first two uh, big events that we're going to be holding. So um, August will be kind of our, uh, our month. No doubt about it. So, I guess at this point, what we'll do is direct people to the USA Archery website for updates as they happen. Of course, you yes. and I will talk if uh, if something major comes up and something changes in a big way. But uh, it sounds like um, the plans that we talked about about two weeks ago sound like they're still uh, moving forward. So that's all possible. You got it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Rod, I'm going to I'm going to spring something on you and if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Because <laughs> we can always edit it out. <laughs> no, it's okay. Fire away. Shifting gears. Uh, there's been some yes. social media buzz about the new oh, not really new though. Athlete safety procedures for event organizers in USA archery. Sure. And sure. Uh, th- let's understand a couple things. One, this is not just a USA archery thing. Nope. 
This Not is every all. every sport that's covered by USOPC. Uh, is USOPC is the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, for those of you who are not aware. Every yep. sport has to adhere to these safe sport-related boundaries. Correct. The, the federal government, Congress, passed a law, S-534, protecting young victims, you know, from... Uh, I forget the exact name now all of a sudden. Yeah, but, uh, but, but basic, basically but, it's, it's a law that made safe sport have power over all of the NGBs. And, and, and this USOPC. is, of course, stemming from the incident in USA Gymnastics. Correct. And Correct. so, you know. The- it's something that was long overdue, to be honest. And, and these are things that have been in place, um, a lot of them. For example, if you're a teacher um, and you're in that profession, I mean, you, you've basically had to abide by all of these things anyway, you know, in in the day to day. Right. And then to be honest, even in the workplace, um, you know, it's, you have harassment and, and, and all of those parameters are in place. No, anybody working for in sport, right. 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 Anybody working for any kind of company is getting that kind of training. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, some people look at it as, oh, my gosh, I can't believe now I got to do this and this and this. It's like it's about protecting the youth and making sure that there's an environment. And, and to be honest, this is a plus for USA Archery. Um, if, if you're a parent out there and you've got some young kids and you're worried about all the stuff going on, right? Boy Scouts had an, have an issue. Everybody, you know, you're seeing it popping up all the time. Except in Archery, to, by the way, I'll point exactly, that out. Exactly. Come, come to a place. And that that we take it serious and that we have things in place to make sure that people um, and the youth are protected and and that there's something there should something happen for people to be able to report and to do it in in a in a a way that things, you know, can't be brushed under the rug or hidden. Right. So this is a great thing. You know, it's it safe sport is a really, really mm-hmm. good thing. And yes, that means we now have to do things we've never had to do before. But you know what? I, the safety of our kids, that's what's the most important thing. And, and that's what people need to really understand with this. And and I'll be honest, that law, go ahead and read it. S five thirty four. Just Google it. And in there, it talks about other organizations that have youth sports, basically, and do interstate competitions. So if you're an organization that, that, that is in multiple states, you need to be looking at this and you need to be implementing this stuff because now if you don't do it, you could be liable and you could find yourself, you know, in a big world of hurt down the road. Now, safe sport is just focused on the NGBs, but they have another area, which is, I think it's like athletesafety.org is for other organizations. And I know, for example, S3DA, that's something that they are working really hard to implement and to put more of those procedures in place because they recognize the same thing, that this is something that's really important in their organization of youth. Right? So, you know, anybody who's doing it really needs to pay attention and anybody who's holding interstate stuff. And I, and trust me, I know that in some cases it seems kind of silly. Why in the world do we have to do this? But you know what? Um, it's the it's the thing that needs to be done to make sure that we 
uh, protect. But again, it's not even our decisions. We have no choice in it, but we support it a hundred percent. You know, it's, it's something that just, um, people shouldn't doubt it. They should just look at it and say, okay, this is what I need to do. And if you've got a club or you're holding a tournament, you should be publicizing. This is a safe sport event. This, you know, a, a, an event that is run under those auspices. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, our, 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 the people there have been background screened. The people, you know, our coaches have been background screened and safe sports certified. And um, I think those are important selling points. And hopefully it'll bring more kids into archery because their parents are going to be comfortable um, in having them go there. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, I, I really do think it's a selling point. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, yep. it's, it's one of those things, if you've got kids and you're worried about the climate in some aspects of things, then you have an yes. opportunity to put them in a sport where everybody's vetted. You have, Correct. you know, people who are properly trained to behave properly mm-hmm. and to avoid yep. issues that people worry about. And, and there's no yeah. reason why anybody should look at this as a negative. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more effort, I think, required you know, on the part of clubs, but yes. once it becomes part of your system, it's no different than registration or keeping track it of is. scores or any yeah. of the other stuff. In fact, yeah. you can integrate this and, and make it part of the system and, and then it becomes almost automatic. Yeah. The, the, to be honest, the biggest argument that I hear about it is I know my judges, I know my coaches and they're good people and I shouldn't have to, you know, make them have to do these things. Well, you know, how many times are the good people the ones that you have to worry about? Because All too often, in most, unfortunately. In, in most cases, especially when it comes around, um, you know, uh, child molestation or whatever, um, it's a hidden thing. And, and it's usually the person that you trust. And it's the person that the coach that parents trust with their kids. And then later on, they find out that something happened. Well, you're always and shocked when you hear about stuff like this because you don't exactly, anticipate. You're like, Oh my gosh, I never, I never knew that this person was like that. And it's like, yes, you know, we can all sit there and say, um, Oh geez, I trust these people. I trust these people and, and really mean it and believe it. You know, decades, but, Decades ago, I had a uh, acquaintance who was the chief justice of the state supreme court of the state of New York. Yeah, and um, he ended up getting accused of a specific thing that involved stalking someone. And <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is the last person in the world that you would expect to yeah. go to prison for an offense like that. And yeah. you know, basically, the top jurist in the state of New York. You know, a guy who is a stand-up guy in, in public, this is the kind of stuff that happens and you never know about it. it and it's shocking yeah. when it when you learn about it. So yeah, let's let's it's, it's trust trust but verify, right? I like <laughs> the it. old yeah. term, trust yeah. but verify. Yeah. And and that's really what we're doing. So I understand some people are like, Oh my gosh, now I gotta do all of these things and all these extra, you know uh, you know, paperwork and and time and you know, and I got to verify to try and hold an event. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And, and embrace it and, you know, understand why it's being done. It's not just us saying, you know, trying to make it more difficult for people. This is a law. And these, these are things that are come, that have come down to us and we have no choice. And, but at the same time, we 100% fully support every piece of it. 
Well, I hate, I hate to say so. this, but we do not ever want to find ourselves in archery in the same or anything no. like the position that USA Gymnastics had. It destroyed that sport, or at least that it NGB. It really has. It, it has. They've been in bankruptcy, and they've had multiple new boards and different CEOs, and and they're struggling to get back on their feet. And if that organization, you know, I mean, they need to survive. Because there's so many kids that love gymnastics and want to participate in gymnastics, and they need a way with an organization to, to you know, fix the problems that were there and make it a safe place, right? Yeah, but and, they've got to be able to do it in a sport that is completely yeah. above board and above reproach. Exactly. And- and quite frankly, you know, I don't mean to be smug, but I think archery has been in that position for a long time. Now it's just being, yeah. you know, it's being ratified, codified. It's being, you know, yeah. laid out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it's something that I understand people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe all this stuff. Now I got to do. But please just look at it. In reality, it's not that much. And once people do it, they're now in the system and they're in the system for years and it's easy to maintain um and again it's it should be a selling point it is it is how you should be able to get new young archers to come and participate in archery because they should feel very comfortable that we're doing all the things that we can to make sure that we protect their kid no at the end of the day it is actually a net positive and it will help ensure the future of our sport so people who are complaining about it really need to reset and understand yes they do <laughs> you know they they really do they you know don't be blind to everything that's going on and instead embrace it and move forward hey before we started the conversation you were telling me that you'd been talking to chris webster and uh you know the yes. one of the one of our usa archery coaches uh helping with mm-hmm. the uh, ra program What's yes. the status of the program now? Is it uh, getting? I, I know that they've been practicing and they've been doing their well, thing. They've, they've, you know, we ended up having to basically disband all training uh, because of the governor's um, orders in in California and then uh, the center's orders. So basically, we've everybody kind of went home to continue to train. Uh, the best they could with their home facilities. So there's been so a lot right of now, uh, coaching over Zoom, I presume. Absolutely. They, they, they've been doing their best that way. They're still having their meetings. The, the athletes are still doing their best in training. And my understanding from what I'm hearing from the coaches is they're all still shooting really well. Um, but they're all also anxious to get back to it. And we just have to wait and um, for the state of California and the county there um, to – open things up enough to allow um, training. Um, Right now, they just are not. You know, we we can't do it. So it's frustrating for us all because we're all ready to get back to it. Um, But, you know, they're having to do, yeah, a lot of virtual stuff and a lot of stuff on their own. Um, But everybody seems to be doing well, and we're really looking forward to – to getting it back 
you know. Well, there's no doubt. My friends, and I have many of them in California, are, are a little frustrated with the situation. And, uh, you know, not the, not the least vocal of whom has been a particular gentleman named Joe Rogan, who you might have heard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, you know, Joe's been quite vocal about this subject. Yeah. But it affects everything in California, not just, uh, of course, the RAs and the OTC. It does. It yeah. does. You know, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, basically we were um, – we had athletes, we had, they were separated. I mean, they had targets at three meters. Um, and for those who don't understand how long three meters is, you know, almost looking at 10 feet apart, right. Um, not just six feet, but you know, much more distance. And, and they were doing a great job social distancing. They were basically training on their own at the facility there. Um, but again, uh, it needed, you know, we, we had to stop. <laughs> and then that is frustrating because we were doing everything in a safe way. And again, they lived there. That was their home. It's not like they're traveling in and out. I mean, they were, they lived there. So, yeah. um, you know, it's unfortunate that they couldn't continue to, to do things, but they ended up, you know, most of them ended up leaving. I think Katuna um, is still uh, there uh, right now. Uh, but uh, everybody else is, is gone until we can all bring them back and, and start training again. I would say that's a tough environment to be in by yourself. You yeah, know, it'd be oh my gosh, it'd be <laughs> bored as a skull. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, that would that would not be something I'd want to be doing. But you know, I mean, for, again, that's that's their home. Yeah, for a lot of people, that's that's their home. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have any other place to kind of go back to. So, um, but it's we're we're hoping, hoping, and we keep waiting. And we are seeing some other parameters for some of the other training centers opening up. And hopefully we can get to that point with um, uh, EAS there um, and the city and state to where we can open up. Yeah. Because I know they, they want to. It's just they've got to they've got to meet the, the criteria. Well, the Easton centers in Yankton and in Newberry yeah. and in Salt Lake City are open on a um, – somewhat limited basis uh you know yeah get an appointment yeah. and, and go shoot but at least you can shoot yeah right so so you know like i said we're we're just we're waiting and we're we're hungry um the athletes are hungry to get back at it so no doubt about that that's that's the most interesting thing about this I, you know i hear from people you know athletes all over the place and they just want to shoot you know they have the love for the sport they want to compete they just want to get back at it. And, you know, I'm hopeful that everybody's going to be back at it here soon and uh, we can get back to as close to normal as possible. I have a feeling that uh, if, if what I'm seeing in society in general is reflected in our sport, that as soon as uh-huh. things open up, boom, we'll have a big flood of people wanting to participate. And, of course, you know, they'll, they'll yeah. follow the safety protocols, you know, the, the new normal, Absolutely. as they call it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, everybody needs to to make that decision on their own, right? They, of whether they feel comfortable going, you know, don't feel like you have to at any time. You know, it's always a personal decision on what you're doing, whether you're leaving your house or, you know, going to the stores or, or going to a competition or doing anything. It's like if you're not comfortable or if you've got, you know, issues or, um, you know, that, that you're a higher risk group, you know, please be cautious of that and be careful um, and make your personal decisions that are best for yourself. You know, that's all it comes down to right now. In the meanwhile, we have uh, entertaining uh, opportunity in June with the 
new lockdown knockout that World <laughs> Archery is putting on in our own Brady Ellison. That's who, right. Who is going to be a dad. Yes. How about that? I am so excited for them. Um, him and his wife, Toya, I, I am just really excited. Uh, one, he's going to make a great dad. Toya's going to be a phenomenal mom. Um, and, know, and, and, and the potential for a future <laughs> archer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to look at it that way, um, you know, you've got I, – I, I don't want to shoot against Toya with my compound. No. No way. No way. I just don't want to do it. And, and Brady, heck, I don't want to shoot against him with like a compound either. No. Um, <laughs> but, yes, I, I think they will have an uh, incredible opportunity um, if they so desire. Um, but, you know, I, I believe that they'll let their child – determine their own way but i just i'm just so excited for them i really am incredibly excited yeah i was more or less joking about that being some kind of super <laughs> archer but hey it know. could be i'm not you're gonna have genetics in you that are incredible so no doubt know, about it's it gonna be, <laughs> um yeah i would if i was a betting man i'd put it on that horse and so. <laughs> and if i were advising if i were advising if i were advising brady i would suggest golf lessons but that's just me <laughs> Yeah, more money to be made there. Um, but no, I, archery is such a great sport. You know, I just, I would never change a thing of what I've done in my life. So. Well, yeah, same here. And, you know, I think <laughs> just to conclude, I think we, we should remember that we are involved in one of the greatest sports. And we are very fortunate, yes. even in times like this, to have that connection, to have things to look forward to, to be able to yeah. have the kinds of relationships and friends that we still have around the world through our sport has just been a blessing yeah. for everybody involved. And I just, uh, I think it's worth reminding people because I know a yes. lot of people feel down right now. And I know a lot of people are upset with the current situation and, and other social yeah. things that are going on right now. But at the end of the yeah. day, we will be back on the field and we will be shooting. Yes, that is it. Um, our tree will live on and be, you know, be what we've always experienced, which is a, a phenomenal sport. Rod, I want to just express my sincere thanks for you taking the time to speak to our listeners today and also for everything you're doing to keep things going and to, to have a path for our return when it comes around. Thank Absolutely. you to you and to, and to the NAA board too. Yeah, you know, um, like I said, my pleasure anytime and I appreciate uh, you allowing uh, – us to get the info out. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the Eastern Target Archery Podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Steve this time, because he's been awfully busy lately, uh, for our next Eastern Target Podcast next week. We'll see you then. Thanks.